You are listening to NFT Talk Show, where we put the T in NFT. I am your host, Tony Payne, and if you have ever wanted to know anything and everything, including all the juicy deets about NFTs, you are in the right place. So buckle up, get ready, and let's go. Welcome to another episode of the NFT Talk Show podcast. I am Tony Payne. And in today's episode, there is a topic that I've been wanting to cover. And in today's episode, we're going to be covering it. And that is photojournalism on the blockchain and why it is very important. Um, I have been known to say, imagine if the blockchain existed during World War One or two. I don't want to say three because we're not... <laughs> We're not there yet, and hopefully we're not going to get there. Um, imagine if it existed. Imagine the work that could have been minted. Imagine the historical data that could have been kept. But now we do have the blockchain, um, and now we can keep these historical data for hundreds and hundreds of years, and provenance, very, very important. I call photography and the blockchain the perfect marriage because, again, um, provenance right so with me today i have the perfect guest to discuss this wonderful topic photojournalism on the blockchain leslie is a photojournalist humanitarian and storm chaser that sounds fun <laughs> who has been published in time wall street journal new york post abc cnn she's like a big deal <laughs> and so much more and most especially, Leslie is a champion for Web3, art in Web3, and artists in Web3. Um, welcome to the show, Leslie. Leslie, God, my, I need water. My mouth is like all tongue twisty today. <laughs> Leslie Spurlock, welcome to the show. How are you? <laughs> Thank you, Tony. Thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate you. My pleasure. My pleasure. So, you know, let me, let me, Kick it off with a quick introduction in your words. So who is Leslie Spurlock? Oh, gosh, who am I? Um, number one, I like to think of myself as a humanitarian um, because that's the most important thing to me, um, to care about people. Um, and then I'm also, as you said, I'm a photojournalist, um, a documentary photographer, storm chaser. Um, I and someone that likes to give voice to the voiceless. Um, and I like, I, I don't necessarily like to do this. Um, it's something I feel I need to do, um, is to show the world things that are happening and make the world care. And, um, those are the most important things to me. That's what I'm all about. And that's what I strive to do every single day. Absolutely awesome. And it leads into the kind of work that you do do. Um, you cover a lot of protests, um, life events, but we're going to talk about that in a second. So before we get into that, how did you begin your journey into Web3? Um, actually, you know, I, I only was in Twitter just to follow the news and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I also followed some storm chasers there. Um, and it was one of the storm chasers and then eventually a couple of storm chasers that started talking about NFTs. And I was really clueless. I didn't have a clue what they were talking about. 
Um, so I tried to look into it, didn't understand it at all. Um, saw that, you know, at, like on my timeline, it, it, I was starting to see more and more of NFTs and stuff like that. So I started kind of, I did a search. I started following some NFTs, but it was mostly PFP projects and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, so I'm like, I don't understand. Jess is the photographer. What does this have to do with us? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, exactly. She seems to be making money and making lots of friends. <laughs> I know, right? I know. But I, I feel like PFPs are a byproduct of what actually, um, I don't know, the NFT art space should be. And I'm kind of glad, like, now they're starting to, like, differentiate, right? Like, it's not, you know, before it was, like, we were all jumbled up into one box, which is, oh, NFT art. And it's, like, okay, we have one-on-one, we have PFPs, but everybody's, and now they don't call um, PFP NFT art anymore. Well, not as much as they used to. Now it's just PFP project, and then you have art, which... If you ask me, <laughs> it's probably one of the one thing that has made me super happy recently because that used to frustrate the heck out of me. Right. Like, look, we do art and then there are projects. They're different than having to explain that to people. And then you have people outside of the space that, you know, obviously want to misunderstand you. So they'll go, right. well, all you, all you do there is sell monkey JPEGs, and I'm like, oh, stop. I know, I know, right? Yeah. So seeing it being like um, differentiated right now is actually it's a good thing. I, I think as we grow, as the space grows even more, I think we're gonna start seeing, um, we're gonna start seeing more of that. So you started by following stone chasers, um, and eventually decided. You were going to start minting work? Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I, like I said, I tried to look into it. I didn't get it, but I, I kept seeing my friends that were making all this money. Now, granted, they were also always broke and I didn't understand that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how did you broke? You just sold for $30,000, you know? <laughs> so now I get it. <laughs> so yeah, so I ended up going, I think mid, mid November, I realized the importance of building community. So I yeah. started to try and build my community mid November 2021. Mm-hmm. And then by December 2nd, I had minted my first NFT. I still didn't even, at that point, I had to give a talk on NFTs um, late January. And I still didn't even really understand what an NFT was, despite the fact <laughs> I had minted and sold them. That's <laughs> so like I, we're, learning, we're learning on the job. <laughs> yeah. So finally, I found Lindsay Adler's videos that made it so simple for mm-hmm. anyone to understand and she's an artist as well so um and she actually went through the whole minty process she talked about what they were and put it in such simplistic terms that i finally got it <laughs> okay <laughs> well we are glad that you got in we're glad that you <laughs> we're glad that you're here we're glad that you're here um one of your first images that i believe that i came across um in web3 was from the um, Minneapolis protest. And yeah. it was an image of a hooded man with a mask on and a fist in the air. And I think it was at Super Chief, if I'm 110% correct, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. I think it was at Super Chief. And I could, I remember that image stood out for me, um, a lot. 
And that was your image. So could you tell us a bit about that photo? Yeah. So that was um, May 25th when uh, George Floyd was killed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I I had actually, we were staying home because of COVID, because it was in the heart of COVID. Yeah. And um, I, I just, what had happened made me sick to my stomach. Um, I saw a movement happening that seemed to be different from some of the movements in the past. Mm-hmm. And I really thought that these, these protests were going to be historical and really bring about change. Um, sadly, they didn't bring enough change, but they did bring yes. some change. Um, but so I told my husband, um, that this was, I guess, May 28th. I said, we need to go to Minneapolis. I need to be there. I need to be photographing it just for myself. Yeah. And, um, and to photograph history in the making. And so, um, I wanted to leave that night. He made me wait until the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> we drove from Texas to Minneapolis, got there that evening, went first to the place where Floyd was killed. Yeah. And then from there, we went to the fifth precinct. And um, when we got there, there were some buildings already on fire. Um, oh, wow. Protest, yeah, the protesters were there. Despite the fires and stuff, it was actually relatively calm. Um, there were there were some things going on. But for the most part, you know, the protesters were just walking around and stuff like that. Um, there were no cops right there when I got there mm-hmm. later on. Later on, the cops ended up uh, coming in, doing tear gas, and breaking it up. Um, but, yeah, so that was the first night I got there. Um, a lot of the buildings were on fire, um, and that was towards the very end of the night before the, the cops came in um, and busted everybody. Um, that was one of the protesters. Um, they were doing their fist stuff a lot that night. Um, yeah. But it, that was the sign, you know, fist stuff. So, you know, that was one of the protesters. So for, I mean, I know as I'm a photographer as well, and I know to capture the, the exact moment that depicts the emotion of that very moment can be challenging. So what usually goes through your mind before you click that shutter when you say, this is the moment, this is the shot, this is what I want, this is what I want to capture. Because as a photojournalist, you're telling stories, you're telling stories about that particular moment for those that might not be there. They live through that moment through your images. So what at what point does it go through your mind and you say, this is it, I'm going to click that shutter now? Um, you know, you are as a photojournalist, um, you are constantly keeping your eyes and ears open constantly. Um, and you never know what's going to happen for sure. You can kind of predict things, mm-hmm. but you just never know. So a lot of things just happen at the spur of the moment and you don't even have time to think. Um, but you realize the moment that you see it just in your head, you know, this is it. This yeah. is the shot. This is the shot that, you know, that I've captured that just sums up everything. And, um, and so those are the moments I look for constantly. Um, they don't always happen. You know, you can be, walking around and you don't see those moments that are just you know what you really wanted to capture um yeah. it takes a while but um sometimes the moments just happen right in front of you and 
you know, you get lucky or, or maybe it's just, you know, not necessarily lucky because you've got to know what you're doing and you do have to kind of, um, you know, like I said, you have to look around, you have to see what's happening you have to kind of um, predict what might happen and stuff. And so um, you're constantly doing that. I'm constantly, you also have to constantly keep your eyes and ears open because, you know, you could be in danger as well. So you have to look around for that type of thing. Absolutely. Well. Yeah, but when you see it, you just know it. You know instantly, this is it. This is what I wanted to capture that night to show what was happening. And you've covered a lot of protests. Um, and like you said, it could get, get dangerous, um, especially, you know, with tear gas being thrown and you just never can predict what's going to happen. How do you usually prepare for that? And how do you usually protect yourself? Um, yeah, so... At the time, um, I mean, basically my eyes and ears were my only preparation. Um, I, I have been shot at and stuff like that, but oh, wow. I, yeah, I had never been tear gassed before. So, uh, in 2020, that was the first time I got tear gassed a lot. Um, so most of the time I did not have, um, any kind of protection from the tear gas. Um, Portland was the worst. Their tear gas, there was something in it that was different. And it was. Oh, wow. Yeah, I almost collapsed from that one. The street medics actually had to rescue me on that one. But um, after that, um, for our anniversary, my husband and I bought each other bulletproof vests, bulletproof helmets. Oh, no. And gas masks. Yeah, so now we have everything. (laughs) Your husband's like, I love you and I'm with you. Um, but this <laughs> this yeah, union is getting dangerous. Riot and something I don't know for our marriage. <laughs> this union is getting dangerous, and so we're gonna have to <laughs> find a way to protect ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we were pretty excited about our anniversary gift. <laughs> that is that is actually pretty interesting and pretty funny. Um, so what did you get for your anniversary? Oh, a bulletproof vest. <laughs> like oh wow okay (laughs) no not flowers no not a brand new bracelet a bulletproof (laughs) that's funny (laughs) i know right (laughs) we need diamonds but you can have a bulletproof vest and a hat to match (laughs) oh lord (laughs) all right so um you know, um, Misan Harriman is another artist that, um, whose artistry on the blockchain is centered around documenting protests. And, um, I've been in conversations with him and he's often spoken about some of the challenges of getting, um, protest work seen on the same level of some other types of, um, let's say maybe landscape, um, work on the blockchain. What has your experience been? Yeah, uh, and by the way, I just, I adore Misan. He is, to me, one of the best humans ever. Um, yeah. Love him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, it's been, it's been a challenge for sure. I mean, at first when I came in, people were like, oh, wow, this is different, you know, unique and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, and people loved the work, didn't mean it was getting sold, you know, like the rest of the work. Yeah. Um, yeah, so despite the fact that people love it doesn't always mean they want to collect it um which is which is a shame and you know it it is a struggle I I do have people that do appreciate my work and will buy it now um 
but you know, it's still not being sold for the amount that other work is being mm-hmm. sold for. Um, but that's okay. Um, I think it'll take time. I think eventually people will realize the importance, importance. of this type of work and yeah. the fact that this is history and it, an important part of history. Um, and absolutely. So, yeah. And you know, and if not, that's okay. Um, at least I have this, these important pieces of our history on the blockchain and they'll be there forever, whether they're sold or not. And, and that's okay. Um, absolutely. And like you said, they're an important part of history. And I think, um, that's one, that's actually one key thing that often gets missed, um, in the Web3 space. I understand that the Web3 space moves fast and people don't actually really slow down to really, really think about what you know exactly we're doing and what is important and what's not and i can relate because i do still life and i'm forever complaining (laughs) i'm like do people know what's like do you know what still life is do you know that they're like sections and museums dedicated to this genre but people are just kind of like uh so (laughs) So i get it um it's gonna take time the space is pretty new and you're still gonna have a wave of people or collectors or patrons they're gonna come and i don't even think they're gonna just be collectors they're gonna be patrons of that type of or that genre of art that want to see it flourish that want the artist to be able to create more because sometimes collecting art is not necessarily because you want something fancy um in your wallet in your home it's because you want to support the artist so they can do more um, right. we're gonna have people that you know want to see more of that type of work on the blockchain because obviously it's very important right um it's probably one of the most important types of work for photography that should be on the blockchain because we you know when we talk about the blockchain when we talk about history um anything that has historical imagery that talks about a certain event or time in history is very important to be on the blockchain i go back to my little um i enjoy saying this this world war one <laughs> i say it so much it's probably annoying by now um my whole world war argument that imagine if a lot of these images from world war one were minted on the blockchain and then fast forward to 2023 do you know what those images would be worth right I you know, know. and exactly. People sleep on it and we forget because you know what? We forget and we forget that this is how we know how things went down. Without these images, we would not know how, you know, all we would have is like verbal, oh, this is what happened, but we wouldn't have imagery to place into those, um, into those words, you know, and right. it's so, it's so, it's so important. And I think with time, like you said, um, with time, it will happen. Nissan says the same thing too, like, you know, <laughs> over time. It will happen. I, I do see, um, I know a couple of artists that do protest work in the space and, you know, it's a challenge, but they're still pushing. Um, and it's important to just, um, keep pushing. So, um, besides protests, you also cover, um, life events <laughs> and other things like parades, um, and events like the Dia de Muertos. My Spanish sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Tony, your Spanish sucks. My my cousin's um my cousin's girlfriend is constantly 
always helping me with my enunciation and pronunciation. <laughs> but I am, I am literally like verbally stubborn. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, Dia los Muertos. Um, what has the key differences been compared to covering protests? Um. Yeah, I mean, I've covered a variety of things, including stuff like that, including Haiti. Um, you know, I just, I like to cover life and struggles and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and the difference, I guess, between Dia de los Muertos and something like the protest is that, well, first of all, they're not fighting for, for human rights. Um, mm-hmm. and, it's not an angry, frustrated event. It's, yeah. Despite the fact that they are celebrating death uh, and loved ones who have passed, it's actually not a sad event. It's um, it's a joyful event. Mm-hmm. They celebrate, you know, their loved ones who have passed, and they don't mourn for them. Um, I mean, sometimes you know they they do, but for the most part, they're actually celebrating their life. So. You know, it, it's filled with parades and, and families getting together and appreciating their loved ones and stuff like that. So um, it's really, it's a completely different thing, except for the fact that both includes um, storytelling. Yeah. Um, so I like the last, I've covered Dia de los Muertos twice. Um, and the first time I really didn't get what I was hoping to get. Um, I, I wanted to cover it from the side of the actual individual families mm-hmm. um, and not the typical parades and all that. So this last time um, we actually got to spend time with different families and nice. stuff. And they, yeah. They let us into their homes and that will be actually my next collection coming out is um, the time that I spent with those families and, and um, documenting it from their side of things, which is not, you know, the big parades and, and yeah. All that kind of stuff. A lot of drinking, but not parades. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean my kind of vibe? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's everywhere you go. Mezcal, mezcal. They oh gosh, like mezcal, which is like there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you get mezcal a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Without, you know, um, uh, you've also covered natural disasters. Um, I feel like. I feel like there's like been like a whole emotional range, um, in the type of, in the type of events that you do cover from high emotion to mid to super emotional. Um, you've covered natural disasters like the Hurricane Sally. How do you prepare yourself emotionally and what has the experience been like covering some of the natural disasters? Um, you know, I will say, um, Covering natural disasters can be extremely emotional. Um, in fact, I'm about to mint one from Sally. It's funny that you mentioned that. Um, <laughs> I will say the most emotional for me was when I covered the flood in Haiti that killed 3,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that was horrifying. Um, you, you can't prepare for that. You've got bodies in the streets, people buried alive in mudslides. Um, people were living on rooftops because the streets were covered in water. I was walking in water with dead bodies. And um, hmm. it, it's, it's hard to prepare yourself like that for that. And then 
you know, I mean, like, I had people crying, begging for me to get their images out there so that yeah. the world would see. So the and world I, would see it, yeah. Yeah, and so they could get help. And um, when you, it, it's the worst part is when you come home. When you come home to a world that only cares about materialistic things, mm-hmm. and you go to the soccer tournaments with your friends um, for your kids, and the things that they would complain about, and you're just like, geez, stop complaining about this kind of stuff. You have no idea what people in elsewhere are going through. Going right through, now. yeah. Yeah, and and that's the hardest for me, and it still, to this day, makes me very emotional. Um, I, I remember the last time covering um, uh, Ida, and um, I ran across a mom and a daughter. They were older, and mm-hmm. we took them to what was their home, and it was gone. It was completely oh, wow. destroyed. They lost their car as well, because that's why we picked them up, because they were stranded. And we all broke down crying. Um, you know, I just, I can't turn off my emotions when I go to these places. Yeah. Um, that's why I try to, when I cover these things, I try to live with the people so that I, and I mean, I don't always get to. Sometimes I do stay in the hotels and stuff. Yeah, I I prefer to live with the people and and go through what they're going through and not having the luxury, my little privilege of being, you know, in a fancy hotel, you know, while they're having to suffer. I'd rather be there with them, feeling their pain and suffering with them. Um, And I think that's why a lot of times my images are different. Yeah. Because I'm actually there and experiencing it as best as I can with them. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so hard to prepare emotionally. And then the worst thing for me is getting the privilege of going back home and yeah. they have to stay there stay and there. live through this. And, yeah. and that's really tough, tough on me. Um, I'd rather stay there with them and help them till the end. Unfortunately, I can't always do that. So, you know, I do the best that I can. Um, I always try to bring donations and try to help however I can as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to prepare emotionally for it. it. It's a tough job. I can imagine. It's so weird. I mean, from my little experience traveling and, um, I don't do as much documenting as I would love to. But what I've noticed is when you get stateside, it's almost like, Oh, nothing's happening. You know, the silence. And you're like, wait, we're in the same world, aren't we? Like something's right. happening that's major here and almost feels like it doesn't even exist. Um, once you get stateside and it, it, it and you know how the, the media works. They do filter out a lot of things, um, that shouldn't be filtered, like, you know, filter out a lot of news, show us what they want to show us. And that could be very disheartening and, Again, that's one of the importance, I think, as well of, um, you know, user generated content, like actual people going out there and producing, um, these contents on their own. I know it can be tough and it can be expensive. 
Um, <laughs> and it can be dangerous. Um, and just trying to wing it yourself can be challenging, but it's also so important. Um, that these art forms, um, I don't know if I should even call it an art form. Well, I guess it is, um, in a way is supported. So these voices can continue, um, doing what they do. Right. But yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tone it down a little. <laughs> Let's bring us, bring us, bring things down a, a, a little bit. Um, so we don't get to, I, I cry easily. That's why. <laughs> I do too. I do too. I'm one of those, uh, like I'll just stop bawling. So I don't mean, before I start. <laughs> um, so let's, you know, again, photojournalism on the blockchain. I feel like it is very important. If you were to give a singular reason why photojournalism on the blockchain is important, what would it be? Um, I would say just the fact that it's history in the making. I mean, it's, it's history, you know, mm -hmm. um, and we need photos and records of these things. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the main thing. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of other reasons, but that's a, a probably the biggest one to me. Um, and and proof of what happened. Yeah. I mean, the proof I think is 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 huge um, because even with the Holocaust, you know, there mm -hmm. are people that that say it didn't happen. Yeah. You know. And without these, this proof, um, I find that very interesting, <laughs> right? <laughs> because it's, it's well documented that it, it did is. happen. Yeah. You know, people are just weird, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, even with the photos, you know, they still deny it. And yeah. Like the, the internet brings out, uh, just different, weird. <laughs> personalities yeah. is what yes. I'll say. <laughs> different, per different personalities. Yeah, like just some things you see <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? Yeah, that just makes zero sense. Are but you, you know, uh, like, oh, but yeah, <laughs> that that does happen. Um, so we're gonna pivot to as we were. Wow, we're gonna start winding things down. But I want us to pivot to. Leslie, the humanitarian, and Leslie, you're very popular with artists as a collector. <laughs> <laughs> and you happen to favor the Tezos blockchain. I've, I've noticed that. Um, so when did your journey into collecting art begin? Um, actually, not until NFTs. I mean, I've always collected, um, you know, photography books and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I've never really been an art collector until I got into NFTs. And I swore that when I got into it, I was not going to be one of those that's always broke because I always spent my, my, <laughs> my teeth and my teeth. <laughs> that didn't last long. <laughs> you became like your friends that were always broke and you're like, this yes. is so perfect. <laughs> Exactly. I like totally get it now. <laughs> that yeah, reminds I, me of I like twenty twenty one. I I remember this. Um, kind of like it happened yesterday. Um, I remember twenty twenty one. My first ever collection on Tezos. Um, I remember I had sold 
I had sold out the collection. I was so excited. And at the end of like that week, I checked my TEDs and I had like zero. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> but yes, it is easy, especially on Tezos. It's easy to get care. I had to tell myself, like, you know what? You have to, no matter what, even if you decide you want to support um, art or artists, you have to take something out for yourself. Um, so I've been more cautious about that. But Tezos, it's very easy to get carried away. <laughs> I ended up like every single dime I made on Tezos um, for my first Tezos collection, I ended up using it to buy art. And then somebody recently told me, like, why don't you list, um, you know, list some of the work to see if you can get them secondary. I didn't even think about that. Like, I was like, okay, maybe I'll do it. But I haven't had time to really sit down and ponder. Um, you know, and sometimes I'll buy like, you know, if it's editions, I'll buy like maybe two or three because I like to gift art. <laughs> so it was like, I was having too much fun. <laughs> so I get it. I totally get it. But now I'm, I'm more of a, um, you know, calm down, Tony. <laughs> I'm not calm at down, that do- point yet. Yeah, I, like. I actually have saved just a little bit on ETH. And then, um, uh, from my last collection, um, and I actually have saved a little bit on Tez. Yeah. Grant, granted, Misan, he had bought, uh, I, I, I never put things on secondary except for once in a blue moon. So I did put a couple of pieces on secondary, but I priced them pretty high. Yeah. And Misan bought them from me. So I, I had like 2300 um, actually, after the royalties, it was like seventeen hundred ten. Yeah, I blew through it. All. Oh God! I was, gonna say. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, you went shopping, didn't you?" <laughs> I did, and I didn't mean to spend all of it. I just meant to spend like, you know, at least give it back, you know, to the community as much as possible, but not all of it. And, yeah. yeah, it's I easy. Mean, it's easy to get. Definitely easy to get carried away. ETH is a little bit um easier to control, but Tez for some reason it's like, oh Lord. <laughs> yeah. I mean I, I was bad with ETH too. I don't know how many times I've bought ETH just to buy art because I was always running out of ETH. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, so the thing with Tezos is that I've been minting a lot on Tezos, so I usually have at least a little Tezos that I can spend. Okay. Yeah, with ETH, I tend to blow through it pretty quickly, um, and it's not easy for me to get more unless I buy it, because I don't have a lot of work still for sale on ETH. For sale? Okay. Yeah, except for my new collection. So I I am I, trying to wait for people to buy for me so that I well, don't have to actually please buy Please buy ETH. from Leslie so she can blow more. Right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, my husband was like, you know, we need to really watch how much you're spending. <laughs> like, this is not the real business plan here. <laughs> and then you tell your husband, but, but community. <laughs> exactly. And that, you know what, if you're, if we're being honest, it is rewarding. It is rewarding yeah. to put a smile on somebody's face. It's rewarding, um, especially when you know somebody really, really needs it. Um, I, I tell the story of, um, again, 2021, um, I had my first collection on ETH and I made like maybe the first day it dropped, I sold two and then it was quiet for like weeks and weeks and weeks. And that night I was like, you know what? Maybe it's just not for me. I was going to give up. 
in fact i had given up i was done i was like you know maybe this is not for me um you know because it's a lot of time put in and nothing back right. i can make friends without selling art so i was like well, right. just sit here and you know make friends and just mingle and that same night i was sitting down in my living room waiting for a friend of mine that wanted to come pick up some equipment from me and I was like, I'm not even going to get on Twitter, nothing. But then I was bored. So I was like, I hopped on Twitter. And Gary V had tweeted something. I can't remember. And I responded. And then he retweeted me wow. and responded. And for some reason, it set off this, like, chain reaction. And my collection that day just started flying off the shelf. Wow. So that moment I knew, I was like, you know what? It's not so much the art, it's so much getting support and being exactly. visible. And some people do have that power to help creatives be visible. And I want to almost say that that night is why I'm still here. Because if not, I probably would have given up. And said, you know what, um, maybe I'll just run the podcast. Because I had my podcast at that point. Maybe I'll just run the podcast. Maybe um, I'll be doing something else, not creating art. But it changed the trajectory of me in Web3 from that moment. So it made me feel like um, I was meant to stay, number one. Um, there's a bigger purpose for me being in Web3, number two. I don't know what that purpose is yet. <laughs> Besides coasting. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure of it because the way it worked out was just too weird and too coincidental for wow. it not to mean something bigger. So I'm here still and you're here um, still, you know, without a bulletproof vest. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And that yeah. is amazing. So there you were, do support. You you said what? I was gonna say there were many times I, I I was on the verge of giving up too. So I mean, yeah, I would I would cry sometimes at night. <laughs> oh gosh! Oh, welcome to okay. So <laughs> <laughs> welcome to my world. I I hundred hundred percent feel you on that. Like you're like why? Especially when you see certain you know genres. Um, being seen it's not so much like you are feeling bad that they're being seen it's just not understanding why you know something that you know is great is so difficult and that 100%, could be a hundred percent that could be disheartening but again i figured you know um and that's one of the things i'm planning or i'm working on right now is number one um as much as possible i don't feel like i'm i'm not an influencer or anything but i feel like if we keep championing for each other eventually they're you know we're gonna get heard the more voices champion for each other we're gonna will eventually just lead to us getting heard um and that's one of my goals this year is um one to really showcase artists um artists and collectors founders people that you know are really building and trying their best in the space like we can see them trying and doing really good things within the space, but they just might not be a whale or, you know, a big influencer that, you know, snaps their finger and everybody just jumps, you know. Right. But that, it doesn't mean what they're doing is not as important or even more important, right? Because these are the people actually grassrooting it with artists. Um, so, yeah, one of my goals is that just showcasing and highlighting um, 
in my own little way, I think if we all did our little best, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you never know what you never know what will come out of it, right? Um, exactly. every little opportunity can turn into a big opportunity, and that's one thing I'm very very sure of because I've had little opportunities for me turn into big ones. You know, things that I never thought would go anywhere ended up being what actually became huge for me. So, um, there, there's that. Um, so you do again collect a lot on Tez. I'm going to put you on the hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> Out of all the artists that you have collected, and you don't have to say Tony Payne, <laughs> <laughs> even though you can. No, I'm kidding. Um, out of all the artists that you have collected, if you were to name some of your favorites, who would they be? Well, of course, Tony Payne. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I will have to say, um, Aaron Sosa. Mm-hmm. He did this collection of Holocaust survivors. Wow. And yeah, it was the first time I had ever spent one ETH on anything. Mm-hmm. And um, that was such an important collection. The one that I collected, she's now passed away. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, um, very important collective, uh, collection. Ahmed Sell, mm-hmm. he's a photojournalist. He was the chief. Um, uh, well, I forget what it's called with Sifa Press in mm-hmm. um, Russia. He covered Afghanistan. Um, he's a brilliant brilliant photojournalist um i will have to say victoria west Mm -hmm. because she not only did she have just brilliant work she's an animal rights activist and her pieces um deal with a lot of that yeah Um, and i love pieces that um deal with social issues you know um Mm -hmm. i love that um and then, um, who else? Uh, oh, there's so many. Um, those are probably my top, top ones. Um, of course, um, one of the artists that I ran across, um, early on and, um, well, two of them actually, uh, mm-hmm. Dilek. Dilek is a Turkish artist. Um, she is a National Geographic photographer. Yeah. He, he documented COVID um in such um a real and um what's the word I'm looking for? Um not close knit, but like like from inside the hospital. Oh wow, such, okay. Yeah, in such a powerful way and everything she does is just magnificent. It's perfection. Um, and then Swati is a portrait artist and, um, I ran across her work and, and both of these people that I'm now friends with, you know, it, it, I tell this story with Swati all the time and she just laughed. Mm-hmm. I saw her work and, and when she actually spoke to me, I was like, Oh my gosh, this <laughs> artist is speaking to me. <laughs> like, I just fangirled. <laughs> I was so blown away by her portrait, you know, in fact, what on my birthday of March 2021, yeah. um, I told my husband, I said, the only thing I want for my birthday is to own this NFT from Swati. So he gave me the funds to buy the. Yeah, he bought. <laughs> 
he gave me the fuzz about his NFT of Swatties, and then I realized um, that it had actually already had been sold. So Aww. I didn't even realize it, but she was kind enough to send me a print of it anyway. So, yeah. uh, and now I do own, you know, a one of one of Swatties. I own Beautiful. a one of one of Victoria's. I own a one of one of everybody that I mentioned ex- except, um, no, I don't own a one of one of Deluxe yet. I can't afford those. <laughs> um, and I can't afford Ahmed sells one of one but I own additions from them. Yeah, and, and that you know, again, you just mentioned like one of the cool things I guess in Web three is being able to connect directly with the artists that you like and be able to connect directly on a relatable level with artists that you like. And it's like oh, yeah. <laughs> Which actually brings me to one final artist that I wanted to mention. Her name, she goes by Oh Hungry Artist. I actually met her um, when the Ukraine war first started, and mm-hmm. um, she and her young daughter fled Ukraine, and they're in Poland right now. Um, yeah, her husband had to stay behind because they weren't letting the men leave. And um, her work it was the, one of the first times I really collected paintings and stuff. Mm-hmm. She is such a versatile, amazing artist who does not get the um, recognition she deserves. Her work is absolutely incredible. She's going to be one of those artists, and sadly, it might take, you know, many years for people to realize her greatness, but I think they will eventually um, because she is that great to me. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I was just... um talking to her I wanted to go back with her when she left Poland and do a documentary of her going back to Ukraine um unfortunately because it's so hard for her to make a living in Poland um and her NFTs are not selling as much as they should be Mm -hmm. um she's actually having to go back to Ukraine probably this week um yeah and my husband actually said I could go but she told me, you know, she doesn't know for sure when she's going. It might be this Monday and stuff. So it would be very difficult for me to do that. But I do plan on going to Ukraine to um, to visit with her and to do some work there as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah, she's amazing. So I want people to know about her. Absolutely. And, that, and again, like I said, that's why it's so important to um, lift each other's voices, you know, and that's what, what you're doing now, like. We'll talk after after the show. You can send me um her details. Maybe we'll do like a little feature on her. Um, just oh, that would be amazing. Our best, um, you know, to get as many many wonderful under the ra- there's so many wonderful under the radar artists. Um, recently I did um Horror World, <laughs> and it just you know when we started curating for Horror World, a lot of times when you hear of curating within Web three space. People just curate their friends <laughs> and right. our world. I'll say 90% of the artists I just met. Um, oh, wow. through this, yeah, through this curation. And it was just amazing to me because, you know, I call myself the Miss Or because I'm there, but I'm not there. <laughs> like, I'm online, but I have so much, you know, going on that's distracting me that I miss a lot. I miss a lot of things. Um, and again, inside joke for somebody that hosts a podcast, <laughs> you shouldn't be missing so much. But yeah, so I met, I met quite a number, quite a number of the artists during 
you know, um, checking out their work, going through their background and just seeing what they were um, about. Cause it was important for me to kind of just see what they were about. And, um, and I, I, we, we didn't take that approach of, Oh, it has to be our friends or, um, it has to be somebody that I know, or it has right. to be this. No, the approach was who is doing the work, who is passionate about the work and who is ready to show up. And that's all it took. Um, and we did that and I'm hoping to expand floral world though. I'm hoping to expand it, make it bigger where we've been, um, you know, we're probably going to come to Tez. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll bring it to Tez. I need to figure out what that would look like um, as well. But again, my goal is, you know, my number one thing in the space is championing still life art and then, um, you know, floral art as well. So we'll see how that goes. But I wish more people would speak up for each other. Um, as you have spoken up for these artists because you never know who's listening you never know what opportunity might come from just a conversation about art you love you know and um, a lot of that gets missed in the space Um, and again it doesn't have to be your friend it could be just you know somebody you like their work and that's how some people become friends as well right right yeah okay yeah. <laughs> exactly like with why i mean i we became friends after you know the, when i was just raving about her work so, yeah exactly yeah. exactly as it should be you know um yeah. all right well we've had such an amazing conversation <laughs> i feel like we could do this all day um one last question. If there is one thing that you could share or tell anybody that is listening um, about Web3, what would it be? Um, you know, I would tell them not only about the community, but to me, the greatest thing about Web3 is that we can help people like mm-hmm. we've never been able to help people before. For instance, for the Turkey quake, um, and Syria earthquake. Mm-hmm. I mean, this community is so great that they pull together and they help people. And not only can you help people in like organizations and stuff in that way, mm-hmm. you can also like in Ukraine help and, and with the earthquake help individual artists that are in the epicenter or in the heart of it that are struggling, we can be voices for people yeah. like the people and the women in Iran. Um, I have never seen such support in a community ever before. And I've always surrounded myself with supportive people, but it's never been to this level mm-hmm. and it's never been to where people are actually truly helping and caring about other people. So that would be the thing to me is the greatest thing about uh, Web3 and the thing that people should really, that would be the thing I would tell people about. Because to me, it's the most important and it's the best part of Web3. Web3. And I I hope we keep it up. You know, um, I hope we do keep it up as Web3 continues to grow. And you're right. I, I, one thing I would love, absolutely love to see is more, um, humanitarian work, um, using the blockchain and creating awareness about things using the blockchain. I think we need a whole lot of, a whole lot more of that telling stories, um, using the blockchain. Um, because people pay, will pay attention. 
right? So if you're able to tell a story, shed light on something that's going on through the blockchain. And again, wow. I, um, you know, some people go, why would you sell, um, this type of, no, it's not because, um, in my opinion, anyways, it's because you need to continue the work, <laughs> you wow. know? Yeah, and, that's and, and actually, is. like a lot of um, when I sell, you know, I do donate a lot. Yeah. So when I sell for the protests and stuff, I donate to um, different organizations that help with equal uh, equal rights and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, I yeah. do give back to the communities that I photograph. Exactly. I think it's important that people outside of the space understand that because I, I see those little comments and I'm like, they don't get it, you know, because right. again, how do we continue? No matter how we want to look at it, artists need money to continue the, their work. 100%. Yeah. I you know? mean, I, I fund everything I do. I mean, yeah. I don't get paid initially to do any of this stuff. And just to get a fixer, I mean, a fixer in the destination that you're like, if you're going to war or whatever, your fixer can be 300 or more a day. Exactly. And that doesn't include at all the other expenses. Exactly. Yeah. And, and when I sell to, um, uh, like Wall Street Journal, I made yeah. $2.50 despite it went around the world. Exactly. I made $2.50. Oh, that's another importance of the blockchain. That, that predatory, um, behavior from, you know, news outlets and, the blockchain actually does eliminate that because again, I'm 100% um, artists creating these works and bringing these stories need to be able to continue. And $2 will not help you. <laughs> it doesn't even pay for a bulletproof vest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> will not help you continue. So um, I, again, I guess in saying that, I just want to encourage anybody listening to support artists as much as you can if you can there are different ways to support artists um it could be word of mouth it could be sharing their work um you know telling a friend that you know buys art or you know um telling them about opportunity there are so many ways and people go oh how can i support um if i'm not buying well there are tons and tons and tons of ways you can support if you know you're not buying Oh, you know, the so, so and so is looking for archiving, um, this type of work for maybe a museum collection. Tell them about this artist. Send their work. Um, it takes a minute. So I just wanted to add that, um, cause we always need context. <laughs> right. <laughs> Especially when you have different personalities, um, that will listen and come to their conclusions. We always need context. Um, all right, Leslie, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking yeah. to you. If they want to find you, how can they find you? Um, I'm on Twitter as Leslie A. Spurlock. Um, I have a website, um, LeslieSpurlock.com, I think. Um, but Twitter is usually where I'm at. So <laughs> I'm also on LinkedIn. I don't know what my LinkedIn is. But <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn too. <laughs> so we're we're gonna make it easy. We'll put Leslie's information in the show notes. So if you go on our website and you click on this particular episode, you will find Leslie's um information on there to link to um to link to her. All right. Thank you so much, um, Leslie. Again, I really appreciate you joining um uh, me for this awesome, very insightful conversation. 
Um, it's been wonderful. Well, thank you, and you're an amazing hostess. Thank you. <laughs> I try. <laughs> you do a great job. <laughs> thank you so much. All right, everyone. So that's going to be it for today's episode of the NFT Talk Show Podcast. Actually, not today's episode, this episode, because we are on 24-7. Um, that is going to be it for this episode of the NFT Talk Show Podcast. You know what it is. If you have not subscribed yet, do not forget to subscribe. Don't forget to follow us on our social. We are on TikTok. We are on YouTube. We are on Instagram and Twitter under NFT Talk Show. And do not forget to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell their whole community to listen to the NFT Talk Show podcast. We are talking artists. We are talking founders. We are talking builders. We are talking everyone that is moving Web3 forward this month and next month and forever. <laughs> so yes, um, don't forget to join us for this episode and the next episode and the next a billion episodes of the NFT Talk Show podcast. You know what it is. It is me, Tony Payne, signing out. And I will catch you on the blockchain. Bye.